0: welcome to Eventful, the podcast for meeting professionals. I'm your host, Lauren Edelstein with Northstar Meetings Group. Eventful, the podcast is our way of inviting you to join some of the interesting conversations we have with people in our business about topics that really should be on your radar. I look forward to hearing what you think, and please be sure to subscribe.
1: Hello, I'm Sarah Braley, Managing Editor for Northstar Meetings Group, and I'm here with Anthony Vade, Event Experiences Strategy Director for Encore, and Director USA for the Event Design Collective. On this episode of the Eventful Podcast, we will discuss how planners can balance the content being delivered at their meetings with the networking opportunities being offered. We will also talk about how to collaborate internally to create a well-designed event. Before we get into our conversation, here is a word from our generous sponsor.
2: What if your next meeting could have it all? Breathtaking coastal views, world-class accommodations, outdoor venues as unique as your organization. Welcome to Monterey County, California, a destination with a legacy of hosting some of the most recognized businesses and leaders. This is where lasting connections begin. Are you ready for an all-inspired, all-incredibly memorable meeting? We are too. Visit meetinmonterey.com to learn more.
1: Welcome, Anthony. Thank you for being here with
0: us today. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to this conversation. We've got some great stuff to explore. We do.
1: So let's start with, how can meeting and event professionals lead change for their
0: organizations? It, it's a great question to, to kick this thing off, and and if we if we look back to uh, March 2020, uh, I got accused of being a bit aspirational at the start of the pandemic when I said to the industry, "This is a great opportunity for us to really step up and provide additional value to our organisations by understanding how to create human change," uh, and I think. Uh, you know, a lot of people said that, that that seems like a bit much for us, uh, but I think it's really come true because I've seen so many amazing event professionals step up in these organizations in this difficult time to really bring that skill set that we have in understanding human connection, gathering people, and how to navigate the complexity that, that happens at meetings and events, uh, even pre-pandemic, and allow people to be steered in the right direction um, and, and to embrace change through emotive, powerful, collective experiences. So I I think really uh, those event professionals that have stepped up to the plate and taken on this this opportunity to create change through through creating experiences have had great success uh, in in the troubling years that we've had uh, navigating a lot of uncertainty. So I think it's not only an opportunity for for event and meeting professionals to lead change, but uh, it's really necessary for us to do it because they're very few people in business that are as human-centered and understand human experience like we do uh, with our backgrounds in meetings and events.
1: How do they bring it? I mean, all of that change you're talking about is stuff that they did when they were sitting at home. How do they start to bring that into the physical space now that everybody's really back to getting together face-to-face?
0: Yeah. And I think what it really taught us as we were all forced to shift uh, massively to, to, to the digital space is we started to ask ourselves questions. If we're going to bring people together online, what provides value to them? What kinds of experiences really resonate and what has impact for the organization? We, we learned very quickly that just putting on a webinar or just uh, delivering some information wasn't going to engage our audiences. And that buzzy word of engagement and, and interactivity, and there's all these great things that came out of that but it really made us be critical and go okay how does whatever we do create value for the organization and many of us recognize that that comes from the change that it creates so i think that's made us sort of pull out the microscope a bit now as we look at returning back to in person and really look critically at that in person experiences that we create and say is these moments creating value and the example i always give is we think back to the conferences we used to put on and we would have the breakfast session with a keynote speaker and then we'd have a full day of programming with breakout sessions and just content, content, content. Followed by a gala dinner where we had another motivational keynote speaker, and we were just blowing people's minds out with too much content. And I think we've started to recognize now that the gathering and the networking moments uh, are arguably more valuable now, especially after being separated for so long. And we're starting to say, okay, how do we balance the content that we deliver with the networking opportunities we, we, we present to people? And then how do we look at all of those elements that happen, both before they happen, but most importantly, after they happen, and apply some measurement metrics to them to say, hey, we did these things, we took risks in bringing people together, we spent money and invested money in doing a hybrid experience with in-room and perhaps virtual uh, attendees. But how do we know that what we spent our money on provided value to the organization? And can we put some hard measurements behind that? And I think design is really allowing event and meeting professionals uh, to really put more intention into not only creating change, but also working out how do we actually measure when change occurs and and when we've been successful in sustaining that change over a longer period of time. So it's really getting that microscope out and being critical about what we do at our live and in-person events and make sure that they are providing a good return on that investment.
1: And we're not talking about uh, concrete return as in look sales went skyrocketing it, these are these can be much more amorphous, a little bit less easy to really see but but still, very important to look at. What are some of those those areas?
0: Yeah, and it's always been a big challenge in, in the meeting and event space to, to understand the intangibles we used to always talk about. Like, how do we really understand the emotive impact of the events? How do we change people's feelings and attitudes? It's hard to put a number to that. Sure, if you've got a sales organization selling something at a trade show, you can know how many transactions you, you did. And a lot of our surveys that we would send out after meetings and events were a lot of those other pragmatic functional things like how was your dinner? Did you find registration process? We were very functionally focused and we, we've now had to learn and we're still learning. We still have a long way to go. Let's be very clear on the intangibles. We're starting to learn how do we start to measure the emotional impact and the attitudinal impact of our events. And I think it's really comes down to asking different questions of our stakeholders both before the event and after the event rather than rushing into those functional types of of conversationals allowing us to be a little bit more tactical in the way that we approach them and being willing to say hey do you still feel good about the organization now that you went through this experience with us did it improve the situation for you or did it make it worse and be willing to accept some of the generous and maybe harsh criticism that we get back that, that, that extends past, you know, we, we weren't happy with the rubber chicken dinner. Uh, we really wanted to have more time to network and, 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 uh, and spend time together and really dig into what does that mean when we say spending time together? What does that mean for you emotionally? Not just what does it mean for you functionally?
1: And part of what that means for the meeting itself is opening it up a little bit so that it's not so crammed with stuff to listen to, you know, things that, you know, you're not necessarily hard learning all the time, but you're doing soft learning when you're talking to somebody where you're, um, you're comparing how you do your job compared to how they do theirs. So um, I think that's part of it.
0: Yeah, and I'm already seeing this trend. It's really interesting in in new meeting designs that we've been working on. There's this interesting trend where the keynote goes from being bulk information delivery and it turns into the setup, the setup for the next session that's more collaborative. So perhaps the the, the attendees are going in and they're hearing some content from the leadership of the organization, perhaps a motivational keynote speaker. But they're all geared towards saying, after the break, you're going to go into workshops, we're going to sit down and we're going to talk about these challenges. We're going to use some frameworks or some methods to help us collaborate to solve the problems that the organization faces. And that gives those attendees more um, more opportunities to share the, the, their feelings, those intangibles that, that, that we mentioned, and also feel that they have a bit of agency over where the organization's going. Rather than being passive uh, followers of, of the leadership's mandate, it's allowing leadership to really get that feedback in real time and, and allow the employees to have a voice with the future of the company. And that's not possible if we jam-pack everything in and we don't leave white space for people to think about what they've just heard from leadership, uh, which is a big challenge, as you said, in that in that huge back-to-back programming. And then time to have less structured conversations around tables and really collaborate around things. The example I, I gave recently when, when I was asked about what does white space mean, I attended... A an event in uh, middle late 2019, and we had a day when we did pretty intense content. They delivered a lot of information to us, a lot of very deep thinking, and it was it was a very exhausting and intense day. And they had a rule that at 5 p.m. at the end of the official programming of the day, everybody in the venue, unless they're in their hotel room, everybody in the venue was not allowed to talk to anybody. We had to, we had compulsory silence on site. So that we could use that time to reflect on everything that we'd learnt during the day. And it was a bizarre, strange feeling to walk around a silent venue with nobody engaging or talking. And those who wanted to talk ran off to their to their rooms or to the lobby bar where, where they're, they're allowed to do that. But a lot of us really took that opportunity to go, okay. This what is an interesting, like. yeah. This is a chance for me to really think now and not be distracted and really think about everything that we talked about during the day and what it actually means for me personally and what I'm going to do with it in the future.
1: Now, you used the word collaborate quite a few times there. And obviously, that's what you're trying to get the people in the meeting to do, but it also takes collaboration to create the right meeting. So, uh, how do how should planners be using collaboration to make more intentional design for their events?
0: Yeah, it's it, it's it's a great question. And it's something I've been very passionate about for a very, very long time. I, I've said for years that co-creation is, is the future of events in, in all ways, shapes and forms. And I can't remember who the very smart person was uh, that, that I stole this line from. But there's the old line that none of us are as smart as all of us that when we bring multiple minds together and we bring, bring, excuse me, diverse perspectives together, it gives us the opportunity to find more innovation and really gives a a lot of opportunity to bring in more diversity of thought, more opportunities to bring in those unique perspectives and then cater to a wider uh, cross-section of our communities because we actually bring them to the table to share with us the feedback. So we've done that in a bunch of different ways in the Event Design Collective. Obviously, our methodology is about bringing people to the table and the process needs a team-based approach to uh, design thinking. Uh, But we've also started exploring bringing the, the design suite out of the organization's boardroom and actually put it on site at the event. So, get a spare breakout room or uh, even foyer space outside of the main session and set up the design lab. On site, that the attendees can come through, the sponsors can come through, the stakeholders can come through and actually contribute to the next year's event. They're at the event that year. Okay. And that's a really interesting way to approach it because once again, we are co-creating with the event attendees and they are getting not only a chance to give their honest feedback, but also feel agency on what's going to happen. And you know, they're going to turn up next year because they helped design it.
1: Right. And also, uh, as we were also talking about before, that's a great way to bring in DEI is to make sure that you you know, uh, diversity, equity and inclusion is to make sure that the people who are coming through there and that the people that you're asking the questions of are the entire range of your attendees from suppliers, you know, from the from the professional breakdowns, but also the personal breakdowns to make sure that you're getting all the feedback you really need to create an event that's going to be even more perfect next year.
0: Yeah, what better way to overcome bias that exists and, and very much unconscious bias that exists in all organizations. We don't even know that we're biased until we find out that we are. And then we have some, you know, fixing to do after that point. But what a great way to, to be able to address some biases that may exist within your organization, in particular within your event's a planning and organization team, then to bring people who sh- should have more um, equity, should have more inclusion, and ask them the questions and be willing to receive the generous criticism from them to say, hey, where have we missed the opportunities here? Where are our blind spots? Please help us con- we contribute. And what- yeah, that's because that's what we all want at the end of the day. I don't think anybody is purposely making their events non inclusive. We just don't know what we don't know. So when we bring people to the table, we can uncover the things that we don't know.
1: Yeah, definitely. So after these two years, what's different about event design now?
0: What's different about event design? I think um, I, I think we've started to recognise more than ever that uh, that the change that occurs. At and because of events, lives past them and is only successful when we when we extend uh, our touch points with those stakeholders. Uh, we used to always say pre pandemic, you know, you've got to have a marketing plan that is before, during, and after your event. But I think that's now become, yep, we still agree we need a marketing plan before, during, and after, but we also need a content plan, we need an engagement plan, we need uh, trickle-down plans between leadership, middle management and the frontline employees. And we need to really look at, okay, it's and this word gets thrown around a lot. It's no longer about events. It's about 365 communities and how we manage those communities. And, and then we look at events in a different way. And I think this is what we're starting to see, that events stop being that one-off experience from ballroom doors opening to ballroom doors closing, and they start becoming just a marker a moment that is a catalyst to create that first increment of change, and one that we can look back on and go, remember that event? That was the day that we shifted the needle forward and we started progressing. And that's a very different way to look at events than we did in the past to look at them as stepping stones, and that's allowing event professionals and meeting professionals to have that level of intention because they can start connecting dots between multiple events and start aligning with leadership teams, in particular the C-suite, to understand what are those bigger goals and how will this next immediate event help achieve an increment towards that bigger goal, and how will this next event Continue that pathway all the way to the top of the mountain, uh, and that big overarching aim that the organisation has. So it's really shift. It's forced event professionals to be able to shift both from that microscopic level view of what's happening at the next event and the the, the tactical, practical elements to the you know uh, almost telescopic, looking a long way down the path, and and, and they're rolling in serving the organisation outside of that defined next event.
1: It's really rare that an event. Doesn't have, uh, you know, that a, that an event has an endpoint. It's very <laughs> rare that the that the end of the event is the end of this process or the end of this path. Almost always, the event is leading to something else and is pushing the organization forward and is taking you into what is next for that organization or that group of people. And so that's, that's something that you can't think that, okay, this is over and now I have to do something else.
0: And we also have to break that. And I used to hear this a lot and was one of my bugbears pre-pandemic. We used to hear the whole, uh, what are we doing this year? Uh, Let's just rinse and repeat what we did last year. And if we are driving forward change, doing the same thing we did last time is not going to create any further change, which should, um, I I often say to people, a successful event is not a revolutionary moment uh, because revolutions are uncomfortable and disruptive and not very pleasant to be part of generally. It should be an evolutionary step towards that towards that, that that improvement it should be continuous improvement for organisations and events are a tool to create that improvement and I, I really think the industry started to see that has started to recognise that and all the way back to your first question Having this ability to zoom in and zoom out and and be flexible in our focus on what events are and how they create value for organizations allows event professionals and meeting professionals to become the leaders of of change for the organization because there's very few in organizations that that have that ability to to be flexible in such a way, to look at big picture and then look at the details at the same time and be flexible in that.
1: And planners who start to think this way and look at their events this way are the ones who are going to move on and become managers, directors, um, vice presidents, because they're starting to look at things from a very strategic place and are starting to be much more overall, having a much better overall picture of what their organization needs. And they they can know best because they're talking to the people and helping the people who are coming to the event. And that's for anyone who really wants to advance their career. That's really a mindset you need to get into.
0: And many of the veterans who have been in this industry for years also have the benefit of retrospective vision. They can look back at their entire careers and not just say what's important here and now, but they can go, I remember 15 years ago when we did an event like this with this kind of community, this is how people reacted. And to have that longevity of understanding human experience is very valuable to organizations, especially highly structured hierarchical organizations where where the C-suite, the CFO might have only ever lived in finance. The marketing team might have only ever lived in marketing and then maybe they haven't had the unique vantage point that that, that event and meeting professionals have into the entire organization and all of the individuals within it and how the personalities are different between your financial team and your marketing team. And they can really give great recommendations and advice. And then what we've seen with, with, the, with in particular in our community of, of practitioners, those individuals have been invited to that executive table uh, far, far quicker than, than many other people in the organisations. They're jumping multiple rungs on the ladder uh, because they are so well connected to the humans, because you know th- there was the term used "human capital" at the start of the pandemic, which is you know, a bit of an ugly way to think about human beings in in, in financial senses. But I think it highlights how detached business has been come from, from being truly human-centred if we view people as capital. And event and meeting professionals understand that humans are more complex and a bit more difficult to fully manage and realise compared to what perhaps a balance sheet of numbers is.
1: So, as we wrap this up, um, is there a piece of advice you would give to someone who's just trying to figure out, to a planner who is just trying to figure out how to how to get this type of collaboration going.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the toughest things that we find in, in co-creating events and to truly apply really intentional design to the events that you create is claiming time, team and space to do these things. Because uh, let's break them down quickly, time. There's never enough time in the events industry. I don't think anybody will ever feel that they've had enough runway to, to, to take off. So we need to be pretty bold and brave in in going to our teams and to our executive and the event ownership and say we could probably afford to invest some more time. In fact, it's probably vital that we do invest some more time in truly being human centric. So we need to claim more time from our event owners and not just try to ram it in to the already short time spans that we had in the past because we had enough stress back then. It's only going to get worse if we try to put more in it. Secondly, team. We talked about it. I won't go on and on, but bringing those unique perspectives in, the report out that comes, once you've got the time and you've got the team at the table and you collect and you document what that team comes up with, when you present that back to the executive and they see how rich that learning and discovery is, Then all of a sudden, you'll see that time's not going to be such a challenge for you as well. And they're probably going to start giving you more team as well. But if you bring the same people to the table, the same personality types, the same vantage points, the same perspectives, and you report back with something that seems one dimensional, you're going to have a hard time. So really get your team diverse, bring them to the table and document everything that comes out of their mouths as best you can, and then decide how you're going to present that to the executive to show them the best value. And finally, space. We talked about white space and headspace, and that's important for design too. Similarly, if we're we're stressed. There's a short runway. You're not going to come up with great designs. And then also, how do we bring people? Sometimes boardrooms aren't the best spaces to design and collaborate in. They're not very creative spaces generally. So how do we activate another space where we can be creative, where we can put sticky notes on the walls, and we can use uh, canvas thinking and different tools to help unlock those perspectives and, and bring everybody together with, you know, well, we create events and meetings. So let's bring people together and make designing the event an event in and of itself so that people want to be involved, they want to participate, and, and they turn up as, them, as their best selves ready to give honest and vulnerability and all those good things that create really great event designs.
1: Great, Anthony. This has been a great 20, 25 minutes. I think we've uh, really covered quite a bit and I'm I'm really grateful for your time. Thank you. My pleasure, thank you so much.
2: Welcome to Monterey County, California, where feeling inspired isn't just a talking point, but an indelible part of who we are. Host your meeting here and you'll be surrounded by stunning landscapes as well as world-class attractions, dining and activities. Take advantage of the destination-wide, all-inspired incentive, and the Monterey County CVB will help cover the costs of an unforgettable event. Visit meetinmonterey.com to learn more.
0: Thanks for listening to Eventful, the podcast for meeting professionals. Be sure to rate and review us, and subscribe. Check back for new episodes soon.